Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, everyone. I am so excited because it's Amy and Emily and we're back together again, reunited. I would sing it if I had any singing skills at all. (laughs) And we have had so many awesome guests in fitness month that we haven't had a chance to be on together. So this feels like a a homecoming. I love it. Back together again. And we are back together because we want to kind of use this as a chance to really wrap up some of the things that we learned from fitness month, our second themed month in the history of the A Very Full Plate podcast. And we want to tease out and let you know what we have coming up this month this month. Guys, if you don't see me on video, it's late at night that we're recording. It's usually either early in the morning or late at night and I'm holding a glass of wine and I haven't drank that much of it yet. So I just can't talk because it's been a long day. But (laughs) I'm excited for what we have coming up this month. And I hope that we can just like share a little bit of that excitement with our listeners so that you guys know what to expect and um, that you'll listen in. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would love, and I would love it if, as we're going through these themed months, if we got some feedback from our listeners as far as like interest in other topics they have or how they feel about this new concept that we brought out. Because I'm loving it. I think it has a lot of, um, I don't know if the word is propulsion, but it has a lot behind it. It makes it feel so much more purposeful and um, easier to find. You know what you're looking for, and easier to drill down on like what the takeaways are. So I'm loving this theme that we're doing each month. Yeah. I would love to hear what other people think as well, because, you know, podcasting, I mean, the internet in general is like a weird place (laughs) to put yourself. That's just the truth. But podcasting specifically is really interesting in that you know that people are listening, like we can see numbers and we know that there are people who are downloading this and listening. And I know people who tell me they listen, but it doesn't have the level of feedback that something like say Facebook has where like I put something out in the universe and someone responds and I can even like see not exactly who, but like generally how many people saw it and podcasting isn't quite like that. And then on the flip side, it's like also much more intimate. Like we're with people while they're doing the dishes and driving their kids and putting on makeup. Like it's weird that way. Yeah. It's sort of like put it out there. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Question mark. Speaking of which, we didn't plan to do this, but I'm going to say it anyways, because um, the thing that is most helpful to us podcasters is if you love what we're putting out there, or even if you like it, okay, um, is if you leave a review. So iTunes is the best, most impactful place for us that you can leave it. And a number of you have left star ratings, which is super fantastically awesome. But what is even better 
if you want to support us in helping us keep this going, I have another thought about that, is to go onto iTunes, leave a star rating, and then type like even two sentences about your feelings about the podcast. Because those that's one of the most major things that serves as like social proof for other people finding us. And frankly, we're doing this as a labor of love at this point, which is freaking fantastic. And it makes us even more motivated to keep going when we know that people are getting something out of it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, leaving a review on iTunes is like a twofold way that you can give us that encouragement. I know when it's 10 PM at night and we're like, okay, we're going to pull it off. Let's do it. We want to bring value and we want to be peppy. Um, that would really propel me. It would excite me. Yeah. Thank you in advance. If you do that for us. <laughs> yes, please do. Yes. Uh, you have another thought? You sounded like you had oh, another thought. I was thinking that unless I'm miscounting, I think that what we're recording right now is our, either our 26th or 27th episode. It is too late for me to know for sure, which means we have been doing this podcast for half a year now officially. Oh my God. And if that's I'm not so worthy excited. of a glass of wine, then I don't know what is. <laughs> that really excites me and makes me feel like, wow, this is really transpired into something pretty, pretty damn cool in my life. Yeah. Likewise. I mean, I don't know that we've ever like told the whole story of how we started doing this and that's a story for another day, but it was sort of by chance and maybe like the universe bringing us together and like good timing and all the things that make things happen. And it just sort of keeps happening week after week, sometimes when it even seems like it might not. So yeah. <laughs> I feel really impressed with us. I'm patting ourselves on the back that it, that we've been at it this long. And you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> moms get stuff done, man. You squeeze it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Which is the perfect segue into our recap of yes. September. Yes, it actually is the perfect segue because September was fitness month and I have just really been feeling this like mom's moms do they get it done and if we could cuss I would I would say the right word in there because I had the unique opportunity when I was in LA to be working at a gym with like a lot of 20 year olds which is 20 year olds are amazing um but their lives are very different from most of us who are here and just watching them like be on their phones and stay at the gym for like three hours and get almost nothing done. I mean, I didn't see them the full three hours because in what time do I have three hours to be there? But even in the like hour that I would be there, I'd watch and they'd like do one rep of something. And I'm thinking like, do you know how much I could get done with the time that you have right now? You're like, I've already showered, unloaded the dishwasher, <laughs> did some work emails and reorganized some cabinet in my head before I did it. Or Well, maybe you're not like me who does shit. I'm like on the treadmill messaging you about the podcast, listening to another podcast, making a to-do list. And they're like, you know, texting on their phone, which good for them. Yeah, I know. Enjoy that when you can have it. But it does tie to that fitness piece, which is just like getting it done in less time. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that came up a lot. Yeah. So what we wanted to talk about was just like our number one takeaway. And I feel like that's a good segue. Right. Um, after listening to Rachel Branke and I think his name was Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Luke you house. Yeah, I wanted to say that, but it sounded like a country singer. So I was like, <laughs> I think I'm going to say the wrong name, but it's not. Um, after listening to the interviews from September and the last one with Marta, um, 
my biggest takeaway was basically that it is possible to be healthy in your mind and body and do it in very little time every day. So as long as you're making it a priority and you're doing it on purpose, even if you're doing five minutes of self-care one day, 20 minutes of workout the next day, I mean, in the same amount of time that you might be brushing your teeth or showering, which you make a priority for the most part, you can create a healthy life for yourself. You just have to decide to do it. And it has to be something that you care about. Um, Whereas, you know, back in the day, I was saying to Amy, like my husband and I, as a hobby, we did triathlons. And that is like, oftentimes takes a lot out of you time-wise. And it it like poops you out. Like you're exhausted after a two mile run and you're kind of useless. And I've decided that as a mom, I only want to do exercises from here on out that energize me Mm -hmm. um, instead of deplete me because the last thing I need is someone else depleting me, (laughs) you know? It's so So. true. And it's another barrier, right? Where you're like, I got to deal with these three kids today. Couldn't possibly be useless. So the temptation would be like to do nothing. Right. If you're only doing workouts that like do leave you depleted. Exactly. I feel like that's something that Britia really talked a lot about too, is just like adjusting Mm -hmm. your expectations of yourself as well. And that really resonated with me because whether you are starting from nothing or you're starting from like a habit that was a huge fitness habit and like almost trying to scale it back, but Mm -hmm. still honor it, it's the same challenge, right? Which is like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yes. And we talked a lot with Bertia about being flexible and being like, have, kind of having like a lot of tools in your toolbox for like, okay, everyone's sick in my house today. I may not work out or I'm going to do like 30 push ups and call it a day or whatever it is that you care to do. Um, and kind of just having these exercises you've almost memorized that you feel is worth your time and a priority, and is still going to give you that same energizing and good feeling that you need. And maybe it's not exercise, but that's just the example I'm using. Um, Maybe it's meal prep or whatever. Just constantly being flexible and having all these like tools in your tool belt to be ready to, you know, like a kitchen ninja, as you talk about, you know, Um, I think those are some huge keys to actually making fitness and health and nutrition a success for for moms or anyone really who has a busy life with lots of priorities. You know, it's so interesting that you say that. And I really do think it ties back to this like overall health thing. And it's, it's actually funny too, that we're using the word flexibility, because if you look at the, excuse me, the science on aging, it also says that like keeping your flexibility, of course, they're talking about like physical flexibility as you age is really important. But I think as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking it's so much broader than that, which is like the people who are most flexible, but also the most committed. So like you're committed to it, but you're flexible in how it happens are the ones who stick with it for the long term. Instead of being having these like rigid rules that you're likely not going to stick to. And then Melissa Ronda, who I think was on episode 11 of the podcast, she talks about like, well, you go on this I don't know, insert diet here, vegan or low carb or whatever, like fad diet, right? Like you might, you might be on one of those things and it isn't a fad for you, but there are plenty of people who are right. So you know what I'm saying? And, and then there's cake yeah. and it's like, what happens when the cake shows up? Right. And with fitness, it's like, what happens when your kids get sick or you do this other thing? And if your fitness is only 
I run 12 miles a day, it's actually a lot less likely that you will be healthy because running 12 miles a day is harder to fit in than those like bite-sized mm-hmm. pieces. Yeah. And I feel like for me, it's like, it's so funny we that we had um, fitness as a September um, theme for the month because I finally decided like, all right, I'm a mom. I don't have a lot of time. I just want to be strong. Like that's it. I don't care about anything else at this phase. I just want to be able to keep up with my kids, pick them up, throw them around, not, you know, not worry about a thing. Yeah. And so I started doing like 15 minute workouts every day and I feel stronger than I've ever been. I look better than I've done in a long time. And I'm just working a lot on the nutrition piece and just not like, I'm just trying to eat really well for three fourths of the day, you know? And, and it feels so much easier. And I feel like I had to give myself the allowance to not, expect it to be in this box of it. This is what you should be doing. 15 minute warm up. do this strength training, go for a run. Do, you know, it was like, no, I'm doing literally like lunges with my kids around trying to get them to watch a show. Just like silly, almost like feels sort of like step aerobics, but really hard. Like <laughs> back in the day when moms would like do stuff with like Denise Austin or whatever. You know? Stop. I did Denise Austin in college. <laughs> like I had her DVDs. I think I actually had VHS recordings of them because my mom had done them and then I did them. I had that and then one of those like late night, um, I bought it when my college (laughs) boyfriend broke up with me on like a late night infomercial. This is like such a flashback. What is it? It's the, it was like Pilates. um, Oh my God. Someone write to us and remind us what the Pilates system that you could buy on late night QVC. Like I literally dialed the number and gave my credit card and I. You're like, I'm going to get those abs and he's going to be mad. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, I never did get the abs. I I didn't think at the time I had the abs. Looking back now, I'm like, sure. You know, I would love those abs, but yeah. And well, here that, yeah, your expectations have shifted. Yeah, <laughs> that flexibility. Totally I agree. I agree that with aging, if you don't become more flexible in mind and body, life is going to get a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what's funny is I read this book called Reviving Ophelia, which is about raising daughters from like mm. 20 years back. And what was really interesting was one of the biggest takeaways was daughters who grew up in a household with high acceptance but high expectations were fared the best in life. So it wow. kind of reminds me of the strong commitment, but mm-hmm. flexibility. Like yes. I accept you as you are, but you're going to sit at the table and eat dinner with us, or you're right. going, not going to get yourself in jail, but I don't care if you pierce every part of your body. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I freaking love that because like, there's so much there around like, High acceptance, but high expectation. Did I get that right? Yes. And so if you can imagine all the other variations of that being negative. Well, think about it if you were talking about yourself, right? Where you're like, where you're like, okay, here's where I'm like, I'll use my real life example. Like here's where I'm at in that, like my clothes aren't fitting the way that they once did. And I have two kids now and I didn't before. Right. So like if I accept myself instead of trying to be like, Amy, you are the worst. If I'm like, Amy, this is where you're at because life is crazy. Um, and this is how your life is. But if I still tell myself and on top of that, I always like using and instead of, but it's something I learned a long time ago at work, but it's like, and that doesn't mean you should give up on working out or trying to be strong or, you know, building healthy habits. 
then you can see how that would apply in so many ways in like pushing you further towards what you actually want to be. And what I actually want to be is not like a skinny fitness model. What I want to be is like a healthy, well-rounded human being. Right. And it would be easy to like get down on yourself because of some arbitrary measure. And then if you didn't have the expectation, and then throw in the towel, like exactly, it's never going to happen. So why am I? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I just take that as like another life theme that I'm like, wow, I, and it's something I need to recommit to like every single day. It's not like, oh, now that I figured out life, it's all like rainbows and sunshines. It's like, I have a bad day and I'm like, okay, we're starting over tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Or right now, right? Like, it's like yeah. this minute I'm starting over. I, um, I have a little bit of an obsession with Katie Bowman, who she's a natural movement specialist and she has, I think, a podcast and she has a website that she doesn't maintain and she's written a bunch of books. She's pretty amazing if you're interested in natural movement or like the way that your shoes affect the way that you live your life and like all kinds of things related to that. It's neither here nor there. You're talking about. (laughs) She, so she has like a lot of like cues that she gives around like how you're holding yourself and how like your hips should be positioned related to your body. And especially like I got interested in her when I was pregnant and trying to like make sure my body was ready for birth and how you hold your kids and all of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I was getting really into her, I would always think like, gosh, I'm doing everything wrong. And I remember so distinctly reading a post from her where she said, do this. These are your cues. And then check in with yourself a million more times in the day and adjust, adjust, adjust. And she's like, I am always adjusting. And I thought it is so easy to look at someone like that. Who is, I mean, she's like a PhD in natural movement, I think. Um, She's very, she has like a lot of qualifications. She studied it a lot. She's an expert. She travels the world teaching it. Yeah. And she, for her to say, And I know all of this and I still check in with myself and adjust, adjust, adjust so many times a day. I feel like that applies to like everything. Agreed. Um, And yeah, I think it's called Move Your DNA. Mm -hmm. I I think that's one of her books. Um, Is it a book or is it a podcast? Yeah, uh, maybe that's her podcast. Uh, She has a book too. We'll put a link to her, but Katie Bowman's super awesome if you're if you're interested in how your body's naturally meant to move and relates to fitness because, um, you know, she says that like walking is actually the most natural form of movement and fitness that keeps your body in like its best natural shape, like the way that it's supposed to be shaped, not like the way that your body is shaped, if that makes yeah, sense. Like, um, <laughs> and, um, and so it's interesting also like her perspective on running isn't actually the best form of movement for us as humans. And it relates back to all this fitness stuff, but you can look into her because she says it a lot better than I do. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Very cool. So that was my biggest takeaway long and the short of it. And, um, I, I, you know, I also felt like what you had said earlier, which is like, it doesn't happen on accident, mm-hmm. um, being healthy and you need to, you know, take the time and make yourself a priority. And it doesn't mean, oh, every day you better prioritize. You need an hour at the gym because that probably isn't your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is, great. But you get what I'm saying. Like, be honest about your schedule and be like, okay, I have 15 minutes that I know I'll actually do something. So what am I going to do with those 15 minutes? And I'm going to be conscious about it. And that's it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love the idea that you were saying of a toolkit. And that's something that I feel like I hadn't even put words to. But what has made me really resilient in my fitness, even as I've had like some of the hardest struggles of my life recently in terms of like personal things going on, um, was like having something that I could fall back on. First of all, I remembered how good I felt working out. And so it like almost became a reprieve from other hard things I was dealing with. Yeah. And then Secondly, I had built a toolkit over the years without even knowing it of workouts I could go to that were 10 minutes, that were an hour at the gym, that looked all different ways so that when I was like motivated and committed and fitted into my schedule, I wasn't thinking like, okay, what should I do? And then spend yeah. an hour sitting there thinking like, okay, I don't know what to do. So, And then the time's gone, right? Yeah. So it's like having that toolkit makes you super efficient and your toolkit can be Pinterest. It can, I can share some of the resources that I use. I know you have some 15 minute workouts. Maybe we can link to some of those because Mm -hmm. I feel like building your toolkit is a really key piece. Um, And it actually ties into my key takeaway if, if we want to transition to that. Um, Sure. Which is for me, the thing that I heard from everyone, and maybe I heard it because it's something that I feel so strongly around health in general, is it doesn't really matter what you do. It just matters that you find something that you love that you can stick to long-term. Like whether your fitness looks like Rachel Brenke's doing triathlons or Bertia's doing Pio or Luke's, you know, doing weightlifting or Marta's doing like beach body. It, it just really doesn't matter. Um, and your fitness can look so many different ways, but I really felt like what stood out to me is it's something I talk a lot about with food. Like it doesn't really matter what way, what prescribed way of eating you do, you need to find the thing that works for your body, what feels good and what you're going to stick to because you love it and it feels good. Mm -hmm. Instead of like fighting against this like invisible barrier of like, I mean, I've been there where you're like, I should run, fit people run. And then, (laughs) and then it comes time to work out and I'm like, I actually don't like running. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And so then it becomes like, I don't want to work out instead of just like, oh, I don't want to run. I should do something I really like instead with this limited time that I have. And have you ever done an activity one day where you're like, I'm fit, I can do this. And then you're like, oh my God, tennis is really hard or whatever it is. (laughs) And then you're like, I "I should just do that all the time. It's fun or not, you know, it's hard. And you forget that that's exercise. It's like we've somehow boxed in like, a treadmill, a step climber, and like... Oh, God. Step climbers, like, I just I just ignore that they even exist at the gym. It's like blinders. Like, those don't exist. I will fall flat on my face doing them, and I can only do them for three minutes. You're right. There is that fun element, but isn't it interesting that it's also, like, things that look easy, and you're like, generally, I feel like I'm a fit person. Like, I lift really heavy weights, and then I find out, like, that doesn't actually make me a fast runner or Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I took a bar class. I think we've talked about this. Oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, this should be, these chicks are lifting. I'm, I call them chicks, which isn't a word I use often, but it just feels like the right thing when it comes to like bar. If you imagine like everyone in their spandex and their crop tops and lifting like two pounds, two pound weights. And I got a group on and I like walked in and was like, what is happening here? Like, this is a joke. I'm going to be so good at it. Listen, I was not so good at it. Like, yeah. I, I, first of all, I was the sweatiest person in the class. Yeah. Legs <laughs> are shaking. <laughs> Second of all, I couldn't do like 75% of the things. 
So I think that's like kind of humbling and also goes back to this idea of trying lots of things. Like if you haven't found the things you you love yet, try more things. That doesn't mean like, I don't like working out. I'm going to stop. That means you haven't tried enough things yet. Yeah. And, and we always, we were saying in one of the episodes, like play with Mm. like, make it a playful experience. It doesn't have to be this like hardship. Yeah. Be like, Hey, I'm going to try like rock climbing inside. I would love to do that. That's something on my like bucket list of things that I'm like, that will kick my butt and I'll be terrible at it, but I will love it. (laughs) Greg and I used to rock climb together before we had kids. It's a long activity. We also used to bike ride together before we had kids. That was back in the day when I'm back um, when I had time to like spend three hours in the gym or five hours on a bike. Like I just, it feels like an alternate world at this point. Yeah. Rock climbing is cool and so so hard because it's not just physical like I felt like I was always like halfway decent to the physical stuff because I was strong but the mental puzzle of figuring out how to climb a wall is just like beyond my spatial reasoning capacity mm-hmm. and it's what Greg loves about it so so yeah. it's the same thing like what you're saying which is just try something else and I feel like I'm feeling really passionately lately about how much this applies to life too, which is, I don't know what happens when as adults, we start getting afraid of failing. Like, I don't want to fail. So I don't want to look silly going to the gym. So I'm not going to try that. Or I don't want to look silly rock climbing. So I'm not going to try that. And it's like, it only takes looking at our kids to realize that we weren't always like that. And that this fear of failing, of looking silly, of what other people think of us, even though barely anyone is actually thinking of us, is holding us back, right? Like you and I didn't know, I really want to cuss tonight. We didn't know anything about starting a podcast when we started. And probably I would cringe if I listened back to early episodes and someday I'll probably cringe listening to these ones, but sorry for everyone listening. It doesn't really matter. No, I don't care. Like what we're doing feels good and it feels fun and it feels like we're in a flow and hopefully we're bringing some value to some people. And we just keep showing up and doing it. <laughs> you know, and that's like, exactly what we're telling everyone else to do when it comes yeah. to their health. And if it stops feeling good someday, if it feels like a burden, then maybe we'll, I don't know, start a TV show or something. <laughs> you know, like it's, then you get to do something else, right? Like this, it also, just because this is what you're doing right now doesn't mean that you have to be a marathon runner forever. Either. Yeah, like, like you get to decide. You don't need to define yourself and put yourself in a box. And yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling really passionate about, passionately about this. I feel like we should talk about something else because otherwise I'm going to be like on an entire tangent. Yes, uh, no. Won't even be I, talking about food at all anymore. I know. And, and you know what? I was going to apply this to food too because I do think that sometimes people do like what other people, well, what, what works for one person really doesn't work for another. And I have finally hit this point where I figured out like what, what I need to intake and what things I simply can't stomach anymore. And I never would have thought like years ago, I would have been like, what? You can't eat that stuff anymore. And I'm like, no. And, and I, my body thrives on the the diet that I'm currently eating. And maybe other people are better off with like a vegan or more plant-based diet, or maybe they like do better with grains. But like, I have found that my body type works with this and I feel a hundred percent clear in my head. I feel energized. And when I go off of it, I feel terrible, like almost immediately. So I'm like, talk about intuitive eating. And it took till I was 33 years old to figure that out. 
First of and all, people never do. You're 33. Yeah. That's awesome for you. Thanks. <laughs> I think I'm 33. Second yeah. Well, just saying, just go with it. I'm 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what, what I really resonates with me about that is I have like eaten so many different ways in my life. And I feel like there are people who would like be like, that's flaky. Like you keep changing the way that you eat. But honestly, like there was a period of time where I could not have gluten at all. Like it did not work with my body. Um, my brain shut down my, I was having so many stomach pains and this is something we can absolutely explore. I think we're talking about it in November is like food sensitivity. I no, or December. Sometime, sometime in the future, we're going to talk about food sensitivity and I'll share my whole journey. But like, also I think where people get stuck is like, okay, you're gluten-free and you feel really good on that right now. And then they start getting in their head of like, I'm never going to eat pizza again. And what happens if I go to Italy and like there's pasta and I'll never have these things again. And then they throw themselves off in the now with what feels good because they're so worried about the future. But the reality is your body is changing as much as anything else in your life is. And maybe someday you'll find a grain that really works for you. Or you'll find that like when things are prepared a certain way, it really works for you. Or your body will shift again and you'll have more stomach acid or you'll, you know, whatever it is, you will have taken it out of your system for long enough and it might shift again. And it's like the exact same thing, which is like, all you need to be is here right now, figuring out what works for you right now. Right. And tomorrow you get to figure out what works for you tomorrow. Right. Right. And you can't snowball, which we all do in all of our problems, right? Like, and then this, and this isn't working and I can't even get a job. And it's like, wait, 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 stop. Here now. I've never felt more like that than as a mom where you're just like, (laughs) things exploded because you got like other tiny humans dependent upon you. And you're like, if my kid doesn't talk now and isn't at the top of their class, they're never going to make it to insert arbitrary school here. And it's like, oh, like I'll step myself back and be like, I don't even care about that. Like, where did that come from? But I've turned it into a thing that's not even a thing. Nope. It's not even a thing. (laughs) So let's talk about what we're talking about next month. Yeah. I like that idea. People are limited in time. Um, And I'm super excited about next month because I feel like it's the perfect example of gathering information in a way that's hopefully really convenient for you because we'll go with you wherever you are. You can take us anywhere. Um, But it's a chance to like probably learn something new. I would guess that everyone can learn something new from our topic next month and pick and choose what you want to apply in your life. And I would really like encourage you from the outset that I don't want you to like take everything we share and think that you have to do it all. That would actually be the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do would be to listen, to learn, to gather information, and then to find the things that feel good to you, feel important to you, and feel doable to you. And start applying those right away and then maybe revisit someday and maybe not. And maybe just keep doing that or maybe decide you don't want to do it at all. Right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to us. We're just giving you information. So do you want to tell them what we're talking about next month? You may want to say, you may want to say (laughs) harvest. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You could could harvest the information, compost what you don't like. Yes. I feel like we're delirious. Let's get punny. October is going to be focused on conscious purchasing, buying of foods, maybe just researching about the sources that that you are purchasing from, even buying local versus buying ethically, whatever that means, depending on our interview. 
And I'm really excited about this because I think that there is, it's sort of the glacier concept of, I think many of us just think about the tip of the glacier of what that even means. And there's so much more going on below the surface, literally in the soils and in the way that things are grown in the air and the water and the nutrients and the whatever, there's so much about it. And in that, in, in that regard, what Amy's saying is so important because it doesn't mean, oh, here's this behemoth of a problem. Now all of this lays on your shoulders to fix or to purchase that way. No, it means here's this story from our experts or our moms or what have you and dads. And here's some information. Take what you want. Enact in your life what you want. Maybe harvest out, cherry pick the things that you think you might want to adjust or be interested in adjusting and go from there. The whole point is just to open up that topic and get, get like sort of a reader's digest understanding of what does that even mean and, and what is one step closer for us to yeah. being more comfortable with your choices when you're, start, when you're purchasing foods. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to make sure we touch on is like start the starting point for me has always been organic. Like it's, it's something that's like really in sort of the um, collective consciousness at this point is like, you can choose between organic and people call it different things at Whole Foods. We always called it conventional. Uh, but something that I didn't realize before I really started working at and teaching at Whole Foods was that there's so many more layers, right? So it's not just organic. There's like sustainably grown. There's, um, you know, when it comes to fish, there's like sustainably sustainable fisheries and there's different mm -hmm. certifications related to that. There's, you know, decisions that you make related to whether you buy something that's locally grown or something that is shipped from far away. And like, what are the considerations to take under advisements when you're making those decisions? And mm -hmm. I know for me, I am not perfect at this by any means, but there have been some things that I've watched and read that have been really eye-opening and I can share some of those as we go along. I want to like go back, but I know one of them is um, an episode of Chef's Table, which is a show I really love on Netflix. And mm -hmm. there's one episode, I'll link to it in the show notes because yeah. I don't remember the number right now, with um, the chef from Blue Hill Farm in New York. And he talks a lot about organic and how it not just affects our bodies, which I feel like as parents is always what we focus on, but the way that it affects the way the growing of organic items affects the earth as well. Mm -hmm. And I know for Greg and I, that was a really cool one. Again, we're not a hundred percent perfect at this, but it was eye-opening to know, okay, it's not just about what we're putting in our bodies. And it's not just about like weighing our budget and deciding what we can afford and what we can't afford organically. It's also thinking about like the broader implications of these purchasing decisions that we make. And putting all those things together to figure out like, okay, can we buy this organic today? Or is this like so prohibitive that we are either going to choose a different berry or we're going to choose a conventional berry. And I know that's like a little, feels a little bit vague right now, but it's something that I hope people will walk away from is just like a greater understanding of the things that go into the food that ends up on our plates, sometimes seemingly magically. Exactly. And I think just overall consciousness about your choices and being like, I know that I'm choosing conventional and in this case, I'm okay with it. I'm accepting yeah. it for whatever reason, you know, but yeah. Something else I really want to make sure we touch on it. This is like a big hot button for me is also where 
companies use seemingly like good, good titles of things to make you feel better about what you're buying. And it doesn't actually pay off in like better for you or better for the environment. And the thing that comes to mind for me is like free range eggs. And I hate to like put it out there, like drop a bomb on people and then run away. But let's dig into that more on another episode because free range eggs can cost more because people feel better about buying them. But the reality isn't necessarily what you're picturing. And there are some other words that you can look for to make even better decisions in the resulting nutrients and healthfulness of your food for both the birds and for your family that I think people just don't know about because frankly, lots of companies don't want you to know about it. Like they want you to think free range is free range is good. And I'll pay a couple dollars more because I feel good about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because we have chickens, I find it very fascinating because there's so many different labels with chickens. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorites is when they're like vegetarian fed and I'm like, chickens eat bugs and worms. (laughs) That's what they're supposed to eat almost all the time besides grass, you know? So that means like corn fed. (laughs) Right. And it's like, well, no, that's not what you want. Or, you know, even more so it's probably soy fed unless you're buying soy free. And So that's really interesting to think about how animals are being fed foods they wouldn't naturally eat. And not only what does that mean for like the entire food supply, which is probably bigger than what we can get into, but what does that mean for you, right? In like the nutrient profile of the food that you spend a lot of good money to feed your family, right? Yeah. Buying organic doesn't necessarily mean they haven't gotten soy. It just means they've gotten organic soy if they got it, unless you're like digging deeper into what that food is all about. Yeah. And I... This is something I'm very passionate about. I don't expect everyone to be super passionate about it, but I'm excited to just give everyone sort of this window into Mm -hmm. it who, you know, maybe many of you are experts on this already. If you are, hey, call us. And if you're not, but you're interested, definitely listen because I think it might open up a new journey for you. You know, I do feel like once you're starting to feel really confident about what you're eating, other parts of your life, you might start to dive into this as a second level Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now I want to know where it's coming from. And that's beautiful to have this journey sort of unravel um, as you get to know yourself and your relationship with food and nutrients and feeding your family. You might, this is another layer of feeling really good about your decisions and knowing yeah. for sure that you're comfortable with them. I feel like you said something really important there that I want to reiterate here. And I want to make sure we reiterate a lot of times as we go along, which this is really like next level. Like until you feel like you have the mechanics of feeding your family the way that you feel good about, which for me is whole, real, unprocessed is what I always come back to. This is really secondary to that. And I think that this kind of like fitness can be one of those things that people are like, this is so complicated. It's more complicated than I thought. I just give up now. (laughs) Like why even try? There's too much to consider. And the truth is that until you know more information, you can't make decisions. And your decision might very well be what I'm doing is enough because I haven't figured out the mechanics of just like the basics yet. Right. And I think it's just cool as a human being who's affected by the things happening on the earth to know more, even if you don't do anything besides know more. Yeah. At least you can speak to it if somebody asks you. you know, yeah. I- or you know, like... <laughs> I'm not even going to buy the free range eggs because like same diff or whatever. Right. Same diff. Like, 
but you can. And it's like, for me, that's your choice. For me, it has helped me understand why when certain foods are a lot more expensive, why they're a lot more expensive. That doesn't mean I'm always okay with spending a lot more on them. I might still choose not to buy them, but I feel like as a consumer, it has taken away this feeling of like, oh, they are gouging me when I understand like, hey, it actually takes a lot to pasture raise chickens. Like it takes a lot of land. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes like this little truck that they like sleep on at night and they like move them to other fields in some cases. Like this is not for nothing. And the price is often reflective of the effort that goes into raising this vegetable or growing this vegetable, raising this animal, catching this fish. And so it might just be knowing more so that you like understand the dynamics behind your food in a different way. And for me as a parent, that feels really important to know so that I can share it with my kids. Yeah. And it's, it it gives you confidence in your purchasing. Like I always see and hear, and now I've used the phrase a few times, like you vote with your dollar. Like if Mm -hmm. you purchase something, you're saying, here's the, I demanded this. So I please bring it again. And when you purchase something that's not as ethical or it has, you know, whatever, conventional or it has things that you may not agree with, but you don't even know, you're basically saying, yeah, keep doing that. Yeah. Cause I'm going to keep buying it. And I will tell you that having had chickens and we only have six, so we have this tiny little thing going on, but it's not easy to have free range chickens because hawks eat them mm-hmm. and, and, and coyotes. And it takes a lot of work to make a chicken like free and <laughs> not let nature do its Right thing and eat one, and also still want them to be alive. So you put them back in their coop, and then you're kind of like, I wish they were out, and they can eat the ticks. It's just this very, it's a lot of work, and we feed them organic um, food, and that costs a lot of money. And I'm like, if I had to sell these on the side of the road, I'd be like ten dollars for every twelve eggs because seriously, <laughs> that's how much it costs me. You know what I mean? You can buy ten dollars for every twelve eggs at Whole Foods. There are some brands I really like. They're like. Mm. They're, they've come down a little bit, I think, as people have started buying them more. They're like eight ninety nine, yeah. but um, but you get the point. Like I get it because I do. I myself am like chasing chickens the other day down my road, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. How much is my time worth? Like, <laughs> so true. I posted something on my Facebook page, which is now healthy eating for busy families, and you can still find it at Cooking with a Full Plate. So it's like shifting a little bit to just let people know what it's about more readily. But I posted this graphic from someone else that was so funny is like um growing tomatoes is the best way to like spend three months of your time to save two dollars yeah but you realize like for me it's like just a total waste of money because I always kill the tomatoes but (laughs) actually like understanding what goes into something either by doing it yourself or by getting a bigger broader picture of the food system is a really good way to understand why things are the way that they are Mm -hmm. right like it's, you know, tomatoes are dry and mealy most of the year because they are bred to be hardy so that when they're in those like big trucks riding down the road, they don't become tomato sauce in their mm-hmm. transport, right? Like they don't mean to make them mealy, but they they have to be tough to withstand transport, especially when they're like coming from California to the East Coast because it's not tomato growing season there, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that's the stuff that fascinates me about this, like conscientious buying and really just understanding our food systems better in general is like, it, it reveals a lot 
about why things are the way they are when you just like dig, when you dig a little bit deeper to harvest the information. I'm going to go back to your analogy. Yeah, get a little below the surface. And and I'm I'm hoping to have, um, I don't know how the interviews are going to go, but I'm hoping that we will dive a little bit into how eating locally affects your nutrition for your seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Eating avocados in February in New England, well, sure, they're delicious and I probably will, you know, but is it really like the time to be eating avocados? I don't know. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's super, it's super interesting. I was thinking today, like I want to someday have on, I took a food anthropology class class in college before I was interested in doing, making a career in food at all. And I feel like it, it's similarly like understanding humans reveals a lot more around like why things are the way they are in our relationship with food. Um, so I think that would be cool to yeah. just like nerd out on. Can we do that? Yeah. Let's find a food anthropologist. Well, listen, we're just going to go for it. We'll, <laughs> we'll email the professor at Yale. I don't know. <laughs> why not? Yeah. All right. Emily's on it. Um, right. I'm on it. I already took the notes. I, if, if it's okay with you, I think we should wrap up, but I want to tell this like yeah. funny story from working at Whole Foods that I feel like is an anecdote for why we wanted to dig into this more in the upcoming episodes. So when I was at Whole Foods, I was a healthy eating specialist and everyone just kind of assumed I was vegan, which was not at all true, but I shared a lot of plant-based cooking because that was what we taught at the time. Like it was the program that I was in charge of teaching. And so when the holidays would come around, they would put me, who's like, I wouldn't call myself small, but like kind of fairly small blonde girl. And they'd always put me in the meat department because I think they thought it was funny. Like I'd be wearing this like huge butcher's coat and like weighing out meat and all of these things. And like flinging turkeys was my main job over Thanksgiving because it's our busiest time and everyone has to pull their weight somewhere. And I always felt like working in the meat department was so revealing about our distance from food as like modern human beings, because this one time in particular, though this, uh, some variation of this happened so many times, this woman comes into the meat department and she's like, I have an order for a turkey and it's supposed to be like 12 to 16 pounds because they give you a range because it's a turkey. And um, she's like, I just, I really need a 12 and a half pound exactly turkey. Do you think that you could find one for me? And of course I smiled and said, yes, I will do my best. So imagine, first of all, there's like hundreds, if not thousands of boxes of turkeys in like the back freezer. But beyond that, I'm walking back there thinking, this lady has no clue that this was a living animal that wasn't even exactly the size. Like no one raised this and was like, this is a 12 and a half pound turkey. I just weighed it because then they also like took everything out of it and, you know, did other stuff that you probably don't want to hear about and his head and his legs and like all those things are gone and its feathers are up and like I was like this is fascinating that people are so distanced because this turkey comes like in a package yeah what's that called vac packed plastic Mm -hmm. in a box yeah we have forgotten that this was a living animal who didn't care that we wanted an exactly 12 and a half pound turkey when it was eating its food and living its life right Right. It's like, a, it's, not, it's not like a loaf of bread you can pick up. Like, can I have a... It's like, yeah. yeah. I, I want you to weigh this and like make sure that, it, that it's consistent. Like these are, these are living things that we raised yeah. for our benefit. And 
So I, I guess what I hope we can get out of this month and we'll try to stay focused on is just a greater understanding of bits and pieces of our food system so -hmm. that we can be more empathetic, more conscientious, more connected buyers of whatever food it is that we choose to buy. Yeah. And and supportive of the people who are working their butts off to do it the right way, you know? Yes. Yes. Wherever we can be, like, how can we support the people who are- Like a reasonable expectation for yourself. Yeah, totally. So I'm really excited. One of, one of our guests is um, a friend of mine who's like, has done a lot of food sourcing for big catering companies. And so she has a really cool perspective. She's also a super master of buying locally herself in a way that I just can't even aspire to at this point in my life. So she'll yeah. be a really cool chance for us to like, just talk to someone who is a mom who's doing it and hearing her thought process for how and why she does things the mm-hmm. way that she does. And then secondarily, we are seeking, currently seeking someone who is more on the soil side and understanding mm-hmm. the farming aspect. So yeah. who's really more hands-on from that perspective. And I think we're going to have someone just with some really fascinating information for us to, um, to interview. So I would love that. Cause that's something I don't even really know a lot about. Like, I know that we're supposed to be concerned about the way that we grow how the way that we grow crops is affecting our soil, but I don't really like, I have a black thumb. So yeah, I feel like that would be so cool to talk to someone yeah, I, like, is in it deep. Yeah. It's going to be fabulous. So right. thanks, Amy. This was a great chat thanks. and I thanks. hope all of you listening loved it. <laughs> I know all of you listening loved it. So you're going to go to iTunes and you're going to click five stars. <laughs> hopefully if that's how you're feeling, no pressure. But also if you can leave that like two line comment, that would be super awesome. Again, you can help us celebrate our six month anniversary of doing this podcast every single dingle week and keep showing up. So we hope you will too. All right. Awesome. Thanks guys. Bye. Thank you for listening.